Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Hello and welcome to a Cinematic Universe mini-sode. I'm Sir Patrick and joining me to bridge the gap between our Joker and we can now reveal... The Adams Family, the original one, not the remake, episodes, is... James Hunts. Yes, so we're going to do, as a Halloween special, uh, we decided we're going to do the 1991 Adams Family film. Uh, as I say, not not the recent animation. Although, James, you might be going to see it, so you, you might mention it. Yeah, uh, I think it's out. It by then. I think it's out just before we record, so there's a good chance I will have seen the remake. Yeah. Uh, but for those who don't know, it is originally the movie uh, and the original TV show are originally based on comic strips, so they are relevant to this podcast. So we thought for a Halloween They're special, as relevant to this podcast as Garfield: A Tale of Two Kitties is, which we will get to eventually. <laughs> eventually. Um, so there's actually been a bunch of news, and uh, I'm sure that there's going to be a load more news as ever between recording this and actually releasing it. But the timing's actually worked out quite well for some pretty major storylines. Uh, to uh, storylines, <laughs> storylines, <laughs> some pretty major stories uh, to have emerged uh, that we can cover. Um, also, finally gives us the opportunity to do another minisode because actually on on the website for about four weeks or probably more than that now, uh, the latest minisode box has just been that picture of Bob Monkhouse. Uh, I really <laughs> didn't think that would last as long as it had. Um, we did bring Pod Monkhouse to an end pretty definitively on our last. I mean, episode. you say we did, you... and here we are talking about Bob Monkhouse well, again. <laughs> I was just going to say, those of you who are tired of us running into the ground will be glad that, that along with the Joker discourse, it's pretty much over and done with. But we haven't completely done with the Joker discourse yet because we did just want to give James, uh, who was resolutely not going to watch Joker and not going to cover it on the podcast <laughs> yeah. with us. Um, <laughs> so James, I just want to say, happened. I just want to say first, the reason I ended up seeing Joker is because I was in New York. I was on holiday. Humble brag. Humble brag. Humble brag, I can afford a plane, yeah. Um, a plane flight, not a whole plane. Um, so I was in New York. I had been... I was in Manhattan for the day. And late in the afternoon, I got some tickets off someone off the internet for a gig that was starting at 10 o'clock. So I had four hours to kill. So I was like, okay, that's fine. I'll go to the cinema. I went to the cinema. Hustlers hadn't started and wasn't on... Uh, again for another three hours and joker was the only film that i had any remote interest in seeing so i was like okay i'll go and see joker and that is how i went against all my principles and ended up seeing joker just because i needed a place to sit for three hours 
and what just briefly because we're not going to get into it all over again but but for the sake of completeness what were your feelings about joker yeah it was shit wasn't it <laughs> great we're gonna get angry commenters again now. <laughs> let them um, come seb let them come <laughs> let's move on uh, but not before i comment on i don't think there is anything more new york that it's possible to do than to get tickets off somebody off the internet for a gig that starts at 10 p.m fin- you know i going- didn't get back to my airbnb until 3 a.m <laughs> <laughs> and then getting back to an Airbnb at 3am and, and seeing a film that is a rip-off of King of Comedy and Taxi Driver <laughs> with Robert De Niro in it. Um, I mean, the I gig mean, I went to was uh, for the Cybertronic Spree, which is a band dressed up as Transformers in really excellent costumes who cover cartoon theme tunes and songs wow. off the Transformer soundtrack. Again, just getting more and more New York hipster here. I hope you had some Sparrow people. <laughs> I mean, the gig, <laughs> the gig was next door to Katz's Deli as well. <laughs> Next, you'll be telling us you went to St. Mark's comic. Well, it's actually <laughs> shut down now, hasn't it? I think. Yeah, it has closed. Sadly. I, I yeah. believe. I didn't look. Yeah. Okay. Let's move on. Uh, let's move on to some really, really big news. Um, I mean, those of us, those of you who who are less keen on sort of behind the scenesy corporate structure news that we talk about sometimes, and we really should have got Joe on back on for this one, shouldn't we? <laughs> um, this might not be up your street, but it is the kind of thing that we that we do like to talk about. Uh, in fact, we were noted for talking about this kind of thing on our recent appearance in Pod Bible magazine. Uh, so, thank <laughs> humble you. brag. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Kevin Feige. Uh, I'm sure people will have seen this already, but the news is Kevin Feige has. I mean, has he been promoted? Is it just a new title? But really, the the long and short of it, and we can we can get into the breakdown of detail of what seems to be the case. But effectively, Kevin Feige seems to be going from being in charge of Marvel Studios to being in charge of pretty much all of Marvel, at least creatively, not from a licensing and kind of publishing and and marketing point of view, but effectively creative control of Marvel uh, film, TV and comics now seems to fall under Kevin Feige's purview. Yeah, I would say he has become sort of the chief storyteller of of Marvel, regardless of media. Mm. Which makes sense because the stuff he's been doing with films has been extremely on the money. I think... It's partly that it's been extremely on the money, and I know there are people who will dispute that because there are people who don't like the MCU, although why they would be listening to this podcast to show what I don't know. <laughs> I think probably the key thing, more than it, than it just being of a certain quality, is that it's cohesive, mm-hmm. and that's something that Marvel, I think, in other areas has really struggled with in recent years, um, to have what feels like a coherent and cohesive vision at the top yeah of i mean it used to be the job of the editor-in-chief at least in the comics it was the job of the editor-in-chief and mm. probably i mean it's been a while since there was a stan lee type figure running marvel comics i think stan lee did it jim shooter definitely did it there was that weird period where there were five editors-in-chief and that was <laughs> bad bob harass was quite bad Joe Quesada was really good, and I think yeah, I think I think, yeah. I think I think it for a while, and maybe not towards the end of his time, but certainly for a good long while in the early two thousands, you you could point to Joe Quesada at the top of Marvel. It felt like everything cascaded downwards from Quesada. He was making big hiring decisions. I don't know, you know, he probably wasn't necessarily plotting out what the big storylines were, but it did feel that everything sort of came out yeah, from he was setting the direction in a yeah. in a very definitive way and actually i think that i think his success you can point to the fact that he is the first editor-in-chief since i think stan lee 
who got promoted out of the role rather than fired. Mm. Yeah. But I mean, he he was previously, I'm not sure how directly it was, but he was previously a, a sort of chief creative officer. Is that the title? He had the same title at one point that Kevin Feige has now, put it that way. Uh, which Kassada did, I think. Yeah, yeah, I don't even know what which Kassada's didn't, title is now. <laughs> at the time, it didn't cover the uh, cover the films or TV. No, it was kind of effectively, it was just to sit above the... Yeah, so in 2010, he became Chief Creative Officer. There you go. But it was effectively a creative role slightly above Editor-in-Chief to basically... The impression I get from a role like that is you don't have to do as much work, but if you ever want to pop your head around the door and overrule something, then you're allowed to. <laughs> um, I mean, it, it's felt ever since he stepped up into that role that the Editor-in-Chief role has been... You know, Alonso as Editor-in-Chief didn't feel like Casada as Editor-in-Chief because he had Casada above him, and I think the same is true... Um, for Akira Yoshida now as well. Um, So, but yeah, I don't know what his current... What what is his current... uh, I'm not even sure. I looked this up and it's something... I can't remember what it is now, but it's like vice president of... Like, story or something, I don't know. Mm. It is just basically... I mean, it's a bit like the kind of role that Stan Lee had in later years. It's a sort of... You're around. You can do. You can do stuff if you want, but um, <laughs> yeah, you're not. You're not driving the boat. But yeah, like as uh, as a comics fan, I'm quite excited for Feige to be involved in any way, because at the moment, sort of the the people running comics report to Ike Perlmutter, who is mm. famously sort of. <laughs> I don't want to say anything that's going to get me in trouble with lawyers. He has been accused of being vindictive and petty and sort of penny pinching Mm. um, to the point where the rumor was the Fantastic Four comic got cancelled because he didn't want to give Fox any sort of promotion for the Fantastic Four characters. Mm. Um, And so, you know, having a guy like Kevin Feige whose storytelling instincts are great and whose... You know, love for the characters and the universe is clearly, you know, well evident in everything that he's done. It can only be a good thing as far as I'm concerned. Mm. Like, there are some concerns that he might say, okay, let's just shut down the comics universe. We'll make it all film tie-ins. I'm not sure that's going to happen. Wouldn't surprise me if we did end up seeing actual proper MCU tie-in comics. Because that's something... that has been sort of noticeably absent from... Yeah. Yeah. It's it's kind of amazing that we haven't... I mean, around the time of the first Avengers film, didn't they do... They did a comic called Avengers Assemble, I think. Yeah, that had which, the had the lineup from the yeah. movie, but was they still in the MCU. made the look of it feel a little bit MCU-ish. But yeah, it wasn't... I, I just don't understand why we haven't had the gaps between stories filled in by comics. Well, I, I sort of think that's sort of due to the rivalry between, you know, Ike Perlmutter and Kevin Feige. Because at mm. one point, Feige was under Perlmutter and he got promoted up to sort of his equivalent, but yeah. only for films. And now he's, you know, taken on even more of what used to be Perlmutter's domain. So it's it's interesting to watch that from a corporate perspective. Mm. I mean, I do kind of think it, it may, it, you know, I mean, Marvel moved away from doing things like the Ultimate Universe, but for Marvel to run a universe of comics that that is more specifically designed to sell 
to people who like the MCU and are invested in the MCU. Because to me, that feels like that would benefit the regular Marvel Comics universe because the regular Marvel Comics universe doesn't have to worry about trying to line up with the MCU and can and can continue to be its own yeah, thing. Yeah, I mean, there are, there are two things they could do, right? They could, they could create comics specifically, as you say, in between those continuity gaps. Like, you know, there's the implication that there were tons of Avengers adventures happening between one and two, right? The first two yeah. films. They could do a series about those those stories that mm. Feige, with his creative control hat on, would be able to say, "Okay, here's what you do in those books." Yeah, they could sort of drag the current MCU closer to the movies. I mean, or they could, you know, just carry on doing what they're doing now, which is treat the treat the comics universe as a bit like a research and development wing for the movies. Mm. But either way, I'm expecting to see some form of greater coherence, and that can only I'm be gonna, a good yeah. thing. And I think I think not even just coherence between the different media, although that will definitely happen. I actually think a real beneficiary. I mean, we'll, we'll already kind of see it with what Disney Plus is doing, but you know, we're we're not going to have a Defenders type situation with with the TV <laughs> again. You know, the the TV is all going to line up much more closely. I think we were all expecting that anyway. I think with the comics as well, though, just what I would like to see is not even more coherence with the other media so much as just. Just you know, I I don't really know what the Marvel universe is at the moment, and I feel I feel less invested in the wider picture of it than I have for a very long time. Um, you know, I'm I've really enjoyed Hickman's X Men so far, and I will continue to read and hopefully enjoy that. Uh, and there's other bits and bobs of of things that I'll read, but um, I yeah, I don't really feel too engaged with the wider picture and i don't really know what the wider picture is if there even is one um in in the marvel universe generally at the moment and i kind of feel similarly to an extent with dc um again it's sort of i mean i kind of i know what the bigger stuff going on with dc is and it's more that i'm less interested in <laughs> but at least at least with dc there is an area of dc that i find really interesting at the moment which is the range of superman related stuff which has been really strong um, all the stuff that's spun off from that under Bendis, um, they're, they're in a good place at the moment. So I'm I'm enjoying those comics. Um, but yeah, with Marvel, other than X Men, which I feel like the way that X Men has been set up at the moment, I don't think it can interact hugely <laughs> with any big Marvel picture anyway. Other than sort of running up against it. Well, no, because there there was that so. period, wasn't there, where it was like. Uh, Bendis and Cassider and Alonso to an extent where sort of the the meta arc of the universe was always really clear and you knew what the next mm. thing was and like you know you had Secret Invasion or Dark Reign or you know. I mean admittedly that did lead to a lot of summer crossovers that we didn't like but <laughs> it, yeah you, 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 you always knew even if it was just for the case of banners on the top of the books and you can go back to those old books now you can pick up an issue and you're like oh that's from when the big picture was yeah, that's, Norman Osborn that's Secret was in charge War, of Shield or, Dark Reign yeah, whatever exactly. yeah exactly whereas yeah. now it's a bit like I know there are a lot of things happening with the Infinity Stones, or there were recently. I don't really get what happened. I think at some point there were two Wolverines, but I'm not really sure. <laughs> you know, I don't really get what's been, you know, been going on with the wider universe ever since Secret Wars, and that was a couple of years ago now. Mm. So, you know, if, if having Kevin Feige in charge can help drag Marvel's comics back to some sort of more coherent narrative than great yeah. or even if they can just make the individual books you know work better on their own terms 
Also mm. great. Because, again, yeah, a lot of them at the moment don't. Even there are creators I like on books where I should like what they're doing and I'm just not super interested since since the kind of last big shuffle around. Uh, I do find it at the moment really easy to drop off a Marvel book and then just never get back to it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but we'll see. The only other thing in terms of concerns, just before we move on from this, that I, that I did want to mention, just because it ties into something that Joe was saying when we were talking about Kevin Feige in the wake of the, the Spider-Man deal, um, was, I mean, where's Kevin Feige got the time to do this? <laughs> because the fact that he's supposed to be doing a Star Wars... Uh, alongside all of this, but actually ramping up, you know, this is not him winding down his work with Marvel. This no, is, quite. you know, I mean, it, I wonder if it might mean um, that he's not as directly driving the Marvel Studios series going forward. Like, might we actually lose him being the the, the main driving force because he has to delegate more of it? Um, you know that that might be a consequence of this that he sort of does have the overall bigger picture, but you know he's not going to be as hands on with that ongoing story from now on. That could be the case, but yeah, I just I wonder when the guy's ever going to sleep. <laughs> I mean, you have to assume by this point he has a big team around him who are going to, you know, shoulder some of that burden, and and maybe maybe there are more people who we don't know who mm. help him out more. Like maybe I don't know Victoria Alonso or ever will take more of the responsibilities from him yeah don't know either that or maybe it's just that, that baseball cap is hiding the fact that it's like brain <laughs> he's got a leader style brain with, under there yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> 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 or, no, I, was, I was thinking more like the numbskulls but either way works <laughs> um Okay, so I mean something that we that we briefly mentioned and alluded to there, um, but but that brings us on to another bit of not exactly news, but more discussion of possibilities that has come up um, regarding Spider Man and and obviously now that the Spider Man MCU deal has been settled, uh, which I'm taking credit for when I when I tweeted that um, on the day of of. Um, Trump and Boris both getting bad news that we just needed Spider-Man to be sorted out and about two days later it was. <laughs> it's, all, it's not Tom Holland who, who intervened, it was it was my Twitter account. Um, but but Venom, um, it seems like the, the, the settlement of the deal seems to potentially be good news for Venom because it, it looks like it's opening up the possibility for Tom Holland to actually start to make appearances in that series. Yeah, so like we're not really aware of what the specifics of any deal between Marvel and Sony were. But the fact that immediately coming out of it, um, Kevin Feige said something like, oh, you know, and and maybe Spider-Man will appear in some Sony movies now. He has the ability to tra- traverse universes or something. Which, okay, that's... I agree with some stuff Joe said in the past, which is that Kevin Feige is very calculated in what he says. And, you know, hmm. he doesn't say stuff like that and it be speculation. Like, he, he knows more than we do and he's slightly hinting at it. The fact that director, the director of Venom, Ruben Fleischer, has now said was the effect of that a meeting between Venom and Spider-Man is inevitable suggests to me that if we don't see him in Venom 2, we'll definitely see Spider-Man in Venom 3. And I think that's, I think that's a done deal by this point. I mean, what, what are your feelings about the possibility of that happening? Uh, I mean, because I feel like Venom um, takes on a different 
the whole the the, the 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 first film and then the series of Venom takes on a different feeling when you have the possibility of Spider-Man there. I think it's easy to look at it a certain way, knowing that it wasn't in any way connected to Spider-Man. Yeah. Um, how does it now feel if that if that is something that they're building towards as a possibility? I mean. I can't say I'm excited by it, aside from the fact that it will mean we get to see more of Tom Holland as Spider-Man. <laughs> um, I don't know. I just I don't know what to expect from the Venom series because everything... The success of the first movie just baffles me, and I think it probably baffles Sony a bit as well because it was manifestly a bad film that suffered from its, you know, troubled production. It, they couldn't do Venom 1 again if they tried because everything about it was an accident. And the fact that it, you know, I think the character had enough of a fan base and enough sort of popular profile to power that movie in the West. And clearly it was a hit with audiences in China and whatever for, for whatever reason you want to ascribe to it. I I sort of don't think they can do anything about that again deliberately so whatever venom 2 is it's going to be very different from venom 1 probably an objectively better movie i can't say for certain whether it will do as well as the first one did so one other thing about venom 2 is that they've also announced that um have they announced there are definitely rumors it's been reported online let's say (laughs) that um shriek is going to be one of the villains so, do you remember Shriek? No. Have you read Maximum Carnage? Uh, no, I didn't actually. I haven't read that one. I've read Maximum Clonage. No, that's not the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> Which they only did because Maximum Carnage had been a success and they were in the middle of the clone saga and they went, well, if we call this part of the storyline Maximum Clonage, people will want to read yeah, it. Yeah, because that's what happens in comics. Like, something <laughs> successful happens and then they just keep naming things similarly. Yeah. Like, that's why yeah. every DC series, yeah, every sort of four or five years, <laughs> they'll do another one that says Crisis. Yeah, in some way. Um, so yeah, Cri- the word crisis just means big story yeah. <laughs> in DC. <laughs> um, so Shriek is a kind of uh, like mentally disturbed woman who has. I think she's a mutant, actually. But uh, you know, I imagine in the Sony verse, she will not be a mutant. Um, or I guess maybe they could now. Who knows? Now that Disney have the rights, all the bets are off, right? Um, <laughs> but yeah. She has the power to, uh, she can fight energy blasts, but she can also sort of psychically uh, enrage people and stuff, like control their emotions. Um, In Maximum Carnage, she's sort of acting as Carnage's, like, wife slash girlfriend. Um, And she partners up with him in a a bunch of nutcases like uh, Carrion and uh, Doppelganger. You know, all your favourite Spider-Man villains. <laughs> <laughs> Good old Carrion. Yep. <laughs> Carrion's real name is Malcolm, which I find endlessly hilarious. <laughs> I didn't know <laughs> that. <laughs> um, so she's she's a fairly major character within the story of Maximum Carnage, which I find interesting because, you know, the villain of Venom 2 is going to be Carnage, right? The, the main villain. So it seems like they're going to do a kind of riff on that story. Um... 
it could just be they're sticking her in there to give Michelle Williams's character, like Anne, to uh, someone to fight, possibly. <laughs> Who knows? Because, you know, it felt like they were going in that direction with the sort of She-Venom stuff in the first movie. Don't know. There, um, there are lots of ways I could go. And the thing that most interests me is the fact that they're using another villain from, from Maximum Carnage. So I would say if you want to figure out what they're going to do in the Venom sequel, that's what storyline you have to go and read now. I was just going to say, you, you're actually, you've actually recommended that people go and read Maximum Carnage. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's not a good that's... comic, but <laughs> look, in terms of 90s Spider-Man, it was a big deal, right? It sold like absolutely shitloads. It's very popular. It had an excellent computer game based on it. It's got cloak so and dagger in it. Tell people to play the computer game. Hey? <laughs> tell people to play the computer yeah. game. Then. It's got cloak and dagger. Come on. Everyone loves cloak and dagger. I was go- I was going to potentially raise the question of, you know, do we think this actually means that the... the- you know, Venom is effectively in the MCU, but um, I think that's one of those conversations that you could just end up. <laughs> it's just pure <laughs> speculation, isn't it? So it wouldn't surprise uh, me if, if say, Spider-Man is in Venom three. It wouldn't surprise me if the first scene of Venom three is Spider-Man falling through a portal, and then being like, "Well, there we go." Maybe he just zips past all of the Into the Spider Verse characters. <laughs> it's like, hey, can I go over there? Yeah, I think. I think it's very unlikely Venom will retroactively be added to the MCU. No, I think it's more yeah, likely they drag Spider-Man get. out of the yeah. MCU temporarily. Yeah. But then it becomes... I don't know. I feel like if you've gone so far as to create a version of Venom whose origin isn't explicitly tied to Spider-Man, why do you need to then, just because you have the opportunity, <laughs> shoehorn Spider-Man in at a later point? Sorry, what do you mean why? Like... <laughs> 800 million dollars that's why dump truck full of money yeah Yeah, okay (laughs) but creatively james i mean the only thing creative about venom was the editing i mean yeah if they were bothered about just creative concerns they wouldn't be making a jared leto morbius movie there we go let's uh (laughs) all right well we're gonna bounce away over from Marvel in over to DC uh, because actually we've had some uh, some decent uh, bits of news and kind of uh, set picture leaks and such on upcoming projects uh, first thing that seems to have sent a lot of people into a tizzy is that we've got now I can't actually recall if this is official casting at this point this is one of these things where stories go around and by the, when we talk about them they're not official and then by the time the episode comes out they are or, or they get debunked or um, but everyone seems pretty certain anyway that um, Zoe Kravitz is going to play Catwoman in The Batman if it is still called The Batman <laughs> um, every, a lot of people seem quite excited about this um, I think I think it is interesting that a young black actress has been cast as Catwoman um, not for the first in, time in such a major role um, but I mean she's the third black Catwoman right on yes. screen yes after not only Halle Berry but also Eartha yep. Kitt um, I mean yeah you know I think that's interesting but also I don't know if Zoe Kravitz herself is that interesting um, I mean, one of the things when, when her name came up was that I immediately thought of several of the names who I thought might have fitted the bill a bit better, <laughs> uh, one of whom we just watched in Joker. Um, mm. But, uh, I mean, you could, I suppose you can't really have Zazie Beats play Catwoman when she's already played Domino <laughs> in a very similar costume. But, um, 
yeah, I mean, Zoe Kravitz has been in... I mean, she's been in a bunch of stuff that's relevant to this podcast. Yeah, I mean, she was in X-Men First Class, if you can cast your mind back to the, like, 15 seconds of screen time she had. Yeah. And she was MJ in uh, Into the Spider-Verse, which I had to be reminded of when we were discussing this. <laughs> and isn't she... She was Catwoman in the Lego Batman movie, right? And she was Catwoman in the Lego Batman movie. I mean, that's movie. that's yes, an interesting so. piece of trivia, at least, is that she played the animated version first, then the live-action version. Um, I mean, yeah, so there are two strands to this. There's the fact that it's Zoe Kravitz, which, you know, as I say, I, I mean, she's fine, but I'm, I'm not sure how exciting a piece of casting it is in the sense of... <laughs> Um, I've never been wowed by her in any. I mean, the thing either. is, right? People are going nuts for this, so there's clearly something we're not getting. And either it's either it's because we don't watch Big Little Lies, or because we don't follow her on Instagram or something. People are excited in ways that we aren't, so we. I think we have to trust yeah. them that they they know something we don't. In this case, yeah. I just saw that Jason Momoa is a stepfather. That's gonna Definitely. that's gonna mess up continuity, right? <laughs> so he's married he's married a woman uh, without gills that's what he's done <laughs> Lisa Bonet that's a good reference Lisa Bonet yeah um, but then there's obviously just the I mean because this piece of casting news was I think also the first remotely solid uh, notion that we'd had that Catwoman was even going to be in this film <laughs> yeah um, and I mean that's a separate issue in itself right I mean, when you say issue, I mean, do you mean negative issue? I don't know. I feel like the best Batman movies focus on Batman and when they just start cramming extra characters in there. I don't know. I'd be more excited if... you say that, it's not going to be a Batman movie with just Batman. Like, there there is going to be at least one villain in it. Um, I guess I I was sort of assuming she'd be an anti-hero, but I guess she could be a villain, yeah? Well, yeah. But also... You say the best Batman movies. One of the best Batman movies has Catwoman in it. Um, I, I I don't know. I'm I'm quite I'm I'm a fan of the character anyway. Uh, I sort of I feel like I'd be more excited if they did a Batman movie, then a Catwoman movie, then a crossover movie. I know what you mean, but I think you, no one's ever going to do a standalone Catwoman movie before they've made the character successful in her own right first. Because yeah, you're just, true. Yeah, you know, you, the, the narrative on that is you're remaking <laughs> one of the worst comic book movies ever. Yeah. Um, but, you know, as as with Robin, uh, Catwoman is one of those characters who has been there maybe even for longer than people realise because Catwoman appeared in Batman issue one in, in 1940. <laughs> um, so... And I think, I think we have kind of reached a point with her as well because I think she's been a character who's kind of drifted away from Batman and then back again. Um, and I think we are at a point where she's more closely associated again, partly because of what's going on at the moment in the comics. But and you know the comics are never going to have that big an influence on the films. But I think generally in people's consciousness, um, she is one of those almost like you know you you almost don't do a take on Batman without having Catwoman involved somewhere in the same way as, you you know, you don't not do the Joker. Um, <laughs> I mean... <well. laughs> yeah, no, we've closed that um, book. <laughs> keep yeah. going, keep going. <laughs> but anyway, no, I, I, I think... And also, for a year one type take, which this seems to be, you know, if you're looking to Frank Miller's year one, uh, she's a really significant character in that. So True. I can definitely see, even if it's... I mean, to be honest, people have said it's... Catwoman, but it could just as easily be Selena Kyle, not necessarily as Catwoman. Yeah, in this yeah, film. true. No, okay, um, you've won me round. 
yeah. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I, I think if you if you want characters for a young Bruce Wayne to bounce off, then having Selena Kyle. <laughs> that's needlessly graphic, Zeb. <laughs> if you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm lip fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Yeah, sorry, I can't do that as well as Joe. Um, late breaking news. Um, literally just uh, as I came to edit this episode, news broke this evening of yet more casting for The Batman. Um, I haven't got James in um, to record an extra little insert for this episode because James has absolutely no opinion on this actor or this news, uh, but I very much do. Uh, Paul Dano, um, who you may know from all kinds of films, Little Miss Sunshine, Ruby Sparks, Looper, and a lot more, uh, has been cast as the Riddler in The Batman. Um, I'm really excited about this because I really like Paul Dano generally, and it's just really interesting. Um, it's, it is an unusual choice. Uh, it's not John Mulaney, who I'd seen suggested a little while ago, who I, I think would be a great Riddler, probably in a, a slightly more mainstream-sounding Batman film than than this kind of seems to be veering towards. I think putting Paul Dano as the Riddler opposite Robert Pattinson as Batman is, is interesting. Um, I think this film is making unusual choices and I think may well have an unusual aesthetic, um, but yeah, I you know I, I can't be anything other than pleased with the casting of someone who I think has you know for the last ten years or so been consistently uh, one of the most talented and interesting youngish actors in Hollywood. Um, you know, covering a wide range of projects, so he never seems to do kind of two things the same back to back. Um, and you know, he's branching out of that by by going and doing a superhero movie now. So 
yes, exciting news, not just because it gives us the opportunity to make Dano, 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 Dano Batman jokes, um, but yeah, uh, I, I would say that definitely I've got more of a reaction to that news than I did to uh, the news of Zoe Kravitz being Catwoman, so... Um, yeah, look forward to seeing what else gets announced for this film and to see what kind of take uh, Paul Dano's Riddler entails. Uh, back now, I guess, to the rest of this minisode. Uh, yeah, so we just wait to see who's going to be playing the 50th screen Alfred in this, I suppose. <laughs> um, I did have a thought on this the other day that suddenly occurred to me, which is that it should be Jason Isaacs. Um, no, I'm not going to shift that until it inevitably ends up not being him. Uh, that but, would be good. Um, yeah, I could really see it, and I would really like to see it, but it probably won't happen. Still over at DC, DC's other upcoming film with the in the title, aside from the Batman, is The Suicide Squad. <laughs> the Suicide the Squad. Um, and because they're filming it, and they've been incredibly careless about locking down their set, all of a sudden we're starting to get pictures of people in costumes. They've, made, they've had the effective job of uh, getting people to talk about the film again, um, I think what's most striking is the first batch of pictures that came out immediately featured uh, ridiculous and brightly coloured costumes. Um, there's a bright yellow and blue costume, which I think is a German actor and, com- uh, and DJ and comedian called Flula Borg. Uh, I've no idea who he's playing, but he has long blonde hair and a, a, a very kind of, to be honest, Guardians of the Galaxy looking costume. <laughs> um and um, similarly, uh, Mailing Ing is is painted like orange, and again has a very kind of spacey looking costume. Um, but the other one was Nathan Fillion, who um, the kind of seems to be split opinion as to which character Nathan Fillion might be playing, because he's wearing like green body armor and a helmet. And then on his chest, there's an insignia that's a black skull with crossed arms over it. Um, so some people think that this means that he's playing Blackguard, but then other people think that Pete Davidson is playing Blackguard. Uh, black Blackguard? <laughs> Blackguard situation, end of conversation. Uh, Blackguard. Uh, some people reckon that Nathan Fillion is playing Arm Fall Off Boy. Um and I'm kind of wondering if I should explain Arm Fall Off Boy or, or just leave it hanging in the air. Uh, but Arm Fall Off Boy is somebody who tried out to join the Legion of Superheroes, um, actually in not in the kind of classic Silver Age issues, but in an issue of Secret Origins in the 80s, which was drawn by Kurt Swan, the classic Silver Age artist. So it's a sort of, it was a retrospective, jokey kind of, tale of the of the legion of superheroes uh he was a guy who auditioned for the legion of superheroes and his power was that he could um detach his arm and use it to beat people with <laughs> um and that's literally it so uh yeah we don't know who nathan fillion is playing but he's certainly getting as with a lot of other these people a lot of the rest of these people uh, a brightly coloured costume. Uh, Jai Courtney was also there in like kind of a slightly updated costume for Captain Boomerang and one that sort of much more plays towards 
the Captain Boomerang of the comics in terms of him having the. Um, actually, I say the Captain Boomerang of the comics. I do kind of actually more. He looks more like Boomer, um, the original Captain Boomerang's son, um, who came along in the two thousands, I think. Um, but he's got two massive boomerangs strapped to the front of his chest, so like they're they're not playing down that imagery with him. <laughs> um, we then got a new batch of pictures, literally just I think today as we record this, um, showing uh, Viola Davis back on set as Amanda Waller. Um, these photos had people in prison garb rather than costumes, so it's harder to guess who people are playing. But the report came with a mention that John Cena is apparently playing Peacemaker. So this is all very taped with a pinch of salt because we don't know how confirmed this is. Uh, but for those who don't know, Peacemaker is the Charlton Comics character who was the equivalent of Watchmen's uh, comedian. <laughs> the comedian, yeah. Yeah, because the original title <laughs> of Watchmen was Who Killed the Peacemaker. Uh, but Peacemaker was used in DC Comics in the 80s when DC decided to use the Charlton characters instead of letting Alan Moore have them for Watchmen. Obviously, more famously, uh, Blue Beetle and Captain Atom and The Question made it over, but the Peacemaker did also appear in DC and was in the Suicide Squad comics. Um, that that one makes sense to me. Uh, I don't know if it's true, but it absolutely makes sense that John Cena would be Peacemaker. See, Damon Lindelof, um, if you want to riff on Watchmen, that's how you do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you want to riff on Watchmen, you do Pax Americana. <laughs> um, but the, it also comes with it. Now, there is n- I don't believe there's anything in the images to base this on, so this must come from somewhere else. Uh, but apparently the mysterious Idris Elba role that nobody's been able to figure out um, is reportedly Vigilante. Um Vigilante's a DC Comics character who's been around since the early 80s. Obviously, he is a vigilante. Um, he, um, I got a fair amount of affection for the character because of where he first appeared, because where he first appeared was in Wolfman and Perez's New Teen Titans. Uh, Wolfman basically created him for Teen Titans in order to spin him off into his own series. Uh, he's been written by Alan Moore, actually. Alan Moore wrote a bit of vigilante stuff in the 80s. Uh, he's popped up here <laughs> and there. He's one of those characters who I really liked him in those first appearances, and then I'm not sure I've ever really enjoyed solo stuff of his all that much. But he's kind of... He's definitely... I mean, you know, by the name, calling himself vigilante, he's one of these characters who... He doesn't believe that you know your your Superman and your Batman and even your Green Arrow and stuff go far enough. So he's a bit of he's a, kind a of vigilante. I was gonna I, I was gonna make a Punisher comparison and say he's maybe not quite as far along as a Punisher, but he does carry a gun and he's not a million miles away. I think if you, I think if you were gonna say that DC had a version of the Punisher, um, I think probably Vigilante would be closest to it. There you um, go. So that could be who Idris Elba is playing. I mean, the thing is, most of these characters are going to die horribly within about five seconds of appearing, right? I certainly think... Probably the more famous ones. Well, I was going to say, from the photos that we've seen, I think the more brightly coloured and ridiculous the costume, the greater the likelihood is that that these are characters who get introduced as a suicide squad, like a team. Yeah, and then immediately die. get wiped out. (laughs) Yeah. Um... But this, I, I think, I think the main thing about this is, you know, it's obviously it's just they are just kind of you know blurry long lens set photos. Um, but I think what they show is that this is going to be very James Gunnish. Um, they're not holding back on throwing stuff at the screen with this film. They're not holding back on giving ridiculous superhero costumes, um, even if they're not the costumes that the main characters will be wearing. Um, 
it just look even though it's sharing some of the same cast members and it is a, a continuation and, and not a full-on reboot it just couldn't look further away from the first film uh and in that sense you know i think they're doing absolutely the right thing yeah i mean speaking of someone who at least enjoyed the experience of watching the first suicide squad <laughs> you know i'm i'm excited for this one too I mean, the other thing these images do is actually they actually increase in my head the likelihood that he could be playing the writer rather than decrease it. (laughs) (laughs) But we'll see. We will see. Um, Just one more bit of news away from Marvel and DC, but that I thought was mildly interesting, was uh, that The Boys Season 2 is now shooting, and I find that interesting because, as you know, I really enjoyed The Boys Season 1. Um, some photos from the filming, not of any characters, but of kind of set stuff or set stuff on location, uh, just showed a couple of things that are, are interesting nods for people who are familiar with the comics. Uh, one is of a statue of a character called Soldier Boy. Uh, Soldier Boy in the comics <laughs> is basically the Captain America equivalent, um, but the the thing with him is that there is a manufactured myth that he's been alive since the Second World War, uh, actually, he they keep replacing him every time he dies, and so the guy who's the current soldier boy is just this hopeless rookie. Um, but this shows a statue of him with a with a plaque that says "True American Hero, True American, True." God bless Soldier Boy, nineteen ten to nineteen eighty two. The other thing about Soldier Boy is he is a member of the same team as Stormfront, who is the character who has been gender flipped for uh, this show. And there is also a placard showing Homelander and who I th- I believe is Aya Cash in costume as Stormfront because it looks a bit like her, although I haven't seen confirmation that it's her. And the costume is the right colour scheme for it to be Stormfront, although I can't see any Nazi insignia. <laughs> I was about to I'm say, it's Stormfront and Nazi, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I'd be interested to see what, what happens with, <laughs> with that aspect of things. Uh, I should catch up on the boys because it... Everyone has said it's great, even people who don't yeah, normally it's... love comics movies. So I, th- I feel like I should go and, and go and pick it up. Yeah, it, it, it is just it's one of the best superhero related TV shows that I've seen in a long time. Okay. It's yeah. Um, I mean, it's I I, I don't want to set it against. The tip <laughs> I was about to say conversation, but I I I think it's I think it's probably objectively better than the Tick. I like the Tick more, but I think the Boys is a better show. Uh, they're both great for very. That's very good. I watched the boys and not the tick then. You should watch. <laughs> uh, Arthur needs you. <laughs> um, yeah, so boys season two coming. Going to be very interesting to see what direction that goes in after the way that season one ended. Won't spoiler it for James, um, but uh, you know, it looks like it's going to deviate a lot. It's going to have to deviate a lot from the comics even more so than the first season did, and uh, this certainly makes it look like it's doing that. Um. That was everything on my list, which, you know, we've done that in 40 minutes. This is what happens when you don't have Joe. Um, <laughs> was there anything else particularly that you wanted to cover that we haven't talked about? Uh, can we just say we're not going to be talking about Watchmen ever? Yes. I, I mean, I was actually going to make some kind of reference along the lines of, and a TV show purportedly based on a DC comic <laughs> uh, is debuting imminently and getting some very positive reviews, but we're not covering it on this podcast. 
okay, so that is it for uh, another week's news. Um, you know, nice tight minisode, but with quite a lot packed in there. We actually, as I say, got to cover some topical news for once, so that's good. Uh, so we will be back um, uh, roughly around about sometime in Halloween week uh, with that Adam's Family episode. Uh, as I say, we, you know, we may discuss the new one. Uh, we'll probably take the opportunity to talk about Adam's Family values as well, because I can't see us finding the opportunity to do them both as separate films, but they're both brilliant, and I think we're going to have a lot of fun. Uh, re-watching and, and talking about them um, so look forward to that uh, obviously subscribe in all the usual places leave us a review in all the usual places uh, don't Patreon. tweet me about com. Joker I'm not interested yeah don't don't tweet any of us about Joker anymore we've, we've had tweets and I'm just uh, no I've had enough now <laughs> um, actually do you know what I will just on the because I corrected it on Twitter but seeing as I said it on the podcast as well Gary Glitter does not get royalties that has been confirmed and I still think it was a, a bad choice from a creative point of view but Gary Glitter does not get royalties that is my official correction on that one um but yes, uh, subscribe wherever you want to. Back us on Patreon, patreon.com slash cinematic universe. Get in touch with us on Twitter at cine underscore verse. You know the drill. Uh, we'll see you soon for our next proper episode. Goodbye. Goodbye. powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. This is Roundabout Season 2, and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops. If we're stopping to get gas, you will be timed. (laughs) (laughs) You will be right. Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have, like, you know, a healthy fear of Real extreme darkness. <laughs> this was like wilderness. A lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, <laughs> yeah, you, you were different. Like you were real different. Bro. I can't really put my finger on it. And so much more. Just goes to show that unexpected yeah. things sometimes are the best when it comes to a road trip. Roundabout season two, presented by Nissan, is live now with new episodes rolling out every Thursday. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.